Welcome everyone to Love My Sheep. We are in episode six of season seven, a season of sermons from Jacob Thomas. This sermon was preached on June 27th, 2004, titled, Remember Abraham. May the Lord minister to you and encourage you as you listen. Now, I was told to uh, preach tonight well in advance. I have no excuse. Uh, you know, if I sound not prepared. But, you know, I, you know, I was kind of, uh, right word, nervous, or whatever you want to call it, because I was enjoying the series uh, uh, Faith of Life of Abraham Pastor Jeff was giving for the last few weeks. And, you know, so coming between that and what am I going to say? I don't want to break the link or the train of thought that already the church has, even I, so it's very, it was very hard for me to decide as to what to talk on. So if I talk about the same Abraham, you don't mind, okay? And then I remind my Sunday school class all every now and then we, when we talk about Abraham, we are not trying to learn about Abraham. When we study David, we are not studying the character of David. At least for me, I'm talking about. When I talk about this Peter, the great apostle, I'm not studying about Peter, the man. Then what am I studying? I'm studying the God of Abraham, the God of David, and Jesus, or God of Peter and Paul, and so on. All these people were called and used by God. It's a nice verse found in Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 and 2. If you can find it, I will read it from New King James. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. That's you. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. In Christian life, we are instructed to look back and find from where you were picked up, from where you were hewn, what's your origin, what were you, 
before you became this beautiful christian what were you you know that's one thing the bible tells us right from the beginning god told his people you know the book of deuteronomy is all about one word what is that begins with r remember remember we have the holy communion once a month what is that we remember the lord jesus christ his suffering and his death a christian is reminded to remember all the time we became we become thankless when we don't remember you and i have seen people who don't remember the good deeds that we did to them don't you you know don't you come across such people you know sometimes we think oh i, I know you know people have done so many good things to me the the best thing or the good thing that i will never forget is you know i was hit by a car you know on trans canada highway going at speed limit 100 kilometers an hour and naturally when the car skids the expert says it doubles the speed and i was hit by a car and thrown out of the road and then somebody whom i don't know even now came along and uh, you know he took me to the hospital a dying person and uh, how can i forget that man you know so what i'm trying to say here is if we have to be thankful to the lord we have to remember remember from where you were you now then the verse 2 says look to abraham your father and sarah who bore you for i called him alone and blessed him and increased him so when we you know probably next week we will again study on abraham we have to study abraham okay the father of believers we have to think about him we have to remember abraham that's what i am trying to do for the next few minutes with you and let's you know let's sit in a prayerful attitude so that the holy spirit will speak to us shall we pray Lord we thank you for your word we are human we forget but we thank you that you remind us to remember now the words we hear be a blessing to us the words of our mouth be acceptable to you and everything i say may bring glory to you and nothing else we pray in Jesus name amen now in the book of acts there was a great man whose name was Stephen he was the first martyr he preached only one sermon that we find in acts chapter 7 this man preached a great sermon the whole chapter of 7 is the uh, sermon Stephen uh, preached so when he preached you know he started with you know uh, 
the high priest asked him, you know, are these things so and all that? And he said, verse 2, brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in hell. It's very interesting, you know, Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. They call him Father Abraham. And the Muslims call him Father Ibrahim. And the Christians call him Father Abraham, our father. Now Abraham was a friend of God and he was called from this land or the city called Ur, the land of Chaldeans. And if you can remember the, the atlas, the invisible imaginary atlas Pastor Jeff refers to, okay, he was called from the land of Mesopotamia, Babylon, the, the present country of Iraq. And if you remember, Pastor Jeff told us about Shem, Ham, Japheth, the three the sons of Noah. And this land, Mesopotamia, belonged to the sons of Ham. And whatever happened to the son of shame, the Semitic terror, ended up in this land. Now, he was a typical Jew. He had no concern to be there. That's not the land given to him. You know why he went there? He found the people there they were nature worshippers. They were idolaters. They worship idols. And what a chance for the Jewish brain to go there and make some little idols and sell in the market and make money. That's what he did. And he did flourishing business. He became very rich. It was a flourishing city. Plenty of corn crop and pomegranate and apples and you know those big grapes and everything you know but as he lived there what happened is the, the moral virus began to work it low, he lowered the standard to that of his neighbors he became an idol worshiper so as we read, in, you know, we already have done that from the book of Genesis, okay, chapter 11, it says, Terah started with his brother here, and that's Lord's father, and Abraham, and his wife, and so on, we find. You know, and this father of believers was born in the family of Terah, the idol maker, the idol seller the idol merchant. So he came out, finally he, something must have happened. After all, the seed was sown in his heart. Now this one thing for us to remember, I know some of us worry about our children and grandchildren, they don't serve the Lord, but remember, 
if the seed is sown in their heart one day or other it will sprout it will bring forth fruit they are not lost keep praying that the lord will send the latter rain and these seeds will grow every testimony you have testified to your unsaved parents and families that will bring forth fruit anyway that must be the same thing with tera he came out and you know all those things you know and then in the midst of all these god is waiting i learned a joke couple of days ago i heard a you know must have been an old one it is a jewish joke okay i said it i don't know i heard it only a couple of days ago i don't know how many times i repeated it's worth worth repeating okay how can you make god laugh that's it it's a, it's a, you know you can make god laugh when you make your plan when you make your plan god is laughing okay boy let me see how far you go okay your plans are good sometimes your plans are even spiritual well let me see god laughs you know this is what tera did you know tera set out on his own See, we cannot start our spiritual life on our own. We know we sometimes coach the people. Come on, come on! Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you confess your sin? It doesn't happen like that. You know, it has to happen with the call of God. God has to call. See. even though abraham was living in this idolatrous country among the people who worship the nature and idols god called him it's always like that now we call paul the great apostle saul lived with the senators the religious jews but there was one soul god wanted we talk about the, you know the greatest reformer my favorite character is martin luther where did he live among the catholic monks in the seminary that's where god picked him up that's how it is god has a chosen one god has a small remnant in the place where we think is impossible so god knows where to find his people okay abraham was living quietly in the land of ur and god of glory appeared to him and tell him what get out of this place don't stay there anymore listen for that voice 
in the inner shrine of your heart. God tells you, come out. Don't linger there too long. Get out of there. Let nothing hinder your obedience. Be ye what? Separate. You know, when I became a Pentecostal Christian, that was long ago, before most of you were born, okay, 50 years ago, 51 maybe, we were called, the Pentecostal people, at least where I grew up, were called separate people. Because we were different from the others. In every way. When our haircut was different. Everything was different. I know, I know instances where people would come and ask me, are you into Pentecostal? You know, I didn't say anything. I didn't have a Bible with me. I didn't say anything. A separate people. Be ye separated. God of glory beckons you. Follow where he calls you. You know, now this call, I want to spend a few minutes on this call. First of all, this call involves hardship. Do you like it? God never calls us to an easy life. God never tells us we are going to have a smooth sailing. He never tells us everything is going to be favorable to you. It involves hardship. Be prepared to take up the what? Just to try to see if you are awake. Take up what? The cross. Okay. This is not an easy life. We offer ourselves as a sacrifice. It's just very interesting. In our Sunday school class, this came sacrifice, offering, sanctify yourself and all that. You know, It was not in my notes. Certainly, you know, the Holy Spirit put this in my in my tongue you know these words sanctification glorification atonement propitiation you know these are all christian terms these are never used outside the church these words are so precious. It's a kind of cold word. The world cannot understand it. It's given to us. These are very special words. It is not theology. It is the faith life. You know, as we go on progressing in our uh, technological lifestyle, these words are in the back burner. 
we are afraid to use them. You know, we, we want to be very, very careful how we use those words. But these are our words that God has given us. Okay? Now, this, in, in this calling, we, we are even told to say the words the people don't understand or even might make fun at us. Okay? So, this call involves hardship. And this call is eminently wise. This call isolates us. We are alone in it. And this call transplants us from all the favorable circumstances. That is the worst thing, isn't it? Take you out where you grew up. From the place where you grew up. Leave everything. Forget your cousins and uncles and all those familiar things. Come on, that's what this call is. But this call strengthens, you know. Push out all the surrounding and nothing but God to look to. That's the master principle of life. You know, God is an all-wise God. And in his wisdom, he calls us and tells us to come out and be alone. It's not that God enjoys it. See, that is the principle of life, not only in spiritual life. Have you ever watched birds learning to fly? You live in the city, very hard. Growing up in the country, you know, you can watch how the mother bird teaches the birds to fly. They stir the net. They love these birds. You can see them, how they protect under their wing and everything. But there comes a time these birds have to leave the nest. They stir up the nest so that the birds can learn to fly. It strengthens them. The birds have to learn the luxury of flight. That's what uh, many of you do with your children. Teaching them to skate, teaching them to ride the bike. You have to do it. And that's what our Heavenly Father does to us when he calls, you know. To make Abram, Abraham, he had to call him out. And he has to teach him to depend upon God. That's the beauty. And this call occupies a promise. Okay. This call is not always followed by a reason. It's not substantiated by some reasoning. We don't understand. But it's followed or strengthened by a promise. Then this call teaches the meaning of election. The meaning of election is God told him and said, Why? I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. Okay. And this calling enables us to help others. 
you know the you know it's nice for me to remind uh, of the donut bert has okay that's that's the again the calling okay to help others and this call gives the key to abraham's life what is the key i said again the key word is separate separate from the rest of the mankind this is a different life altogether separate to high and lofty fellowship in our thoughts and in our plans now as we go along you know when god calls us what are we supposed to do that's god's calling so far i said what is our part when god calls we have to obey him okay it i don't want to go back to genesis 11 and so on you know see in obedience in our obedience i, I know every, you know i can look around and see every one of you practically if there is anyone I haven't recognized I know everyone here have obeyed the call. Okay, we're all Christians here by the grace of God. But our obedience in the beginning is partial. Our obedience is not perfect. Now even the song we sang perfect it it grows obeying the call is only the beginning okay and if this has to grow you know what's the first thing in abraham's life was his father had to die you're talking about a, you know he's not yet jewish okay because god hasn't made him abraham but even before that you know culturally abraham was always known as son of terah you know in the modern world especially in the north american world it doesn't matter at all who your father was but in many cultures of this world it does matter who your father is many of them are called or known by the son of so and so and that's why in jewish culture ben you know it's ben johnson or ben jones or whatever it means the son of jones and so on okay so that's very important now when it comes to the calling of god first thing is the father had to die okay then only abraham can go on see this is a solution to many mysterious puzzles you and i have you know sometimes we wonder why our hopes are withered why our dreams are not fulfilled sometimes we wonder how come my income is dwindled you know i'm i'm serving god and you know how come in spite of all that you know i cannot make ends meet how come 
You know, how come my children turn against me? You know, why? In Abraham's life, we have the answer. See, everything we cherish the most hinder progress. We cannot grow spiritually when we have our attention on the things of this world. That can be even family. That can be even the spouse. can be anything. So first, detach from whatever obsesses us. And disobedience is made possible by faith. You read in Genesis 12, 5 and Hebrews 11, 8 and so on. You know, See, Abraham believed. He leaned on the promiser, not on the promise. Do you understand that? We pay too much attention to the promise. But Abraham's life was guided by faith. Abraham leaned on the promise. He didn't look on the difficulties. On the, you know, he looked on the king eternal, the king immortal, the king invisible, and the all-wise God. That's whom he looked on. He was contented to sail with a sealed order. You know, years ago they did that. You know, sometimes it could be an execution order for the bearer. It doesn't matter. That's what faith is. I don't know what it is, but I have something sealed by the Holy Spirit with me, and that's enough for me. I know who promised. You know. Now, this obedience is very complete. Okay. He came to Canaan, and he followed the will of God, and he walked through the ways preordained. The path was paved for him. He didn't have to make his way. His demands were fulfilled. And he came, you know, this is what we do. We give to Christ the prompt and unlimited obedience. Now, in Abraham's life, and again in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4 to 9, no, I'm not going to read. Okay. If we read, you know, Abraham lived as a pilgrim. What is a pilgrim? You know, then again, you know, living in, in a city in North American way of life. You know, you cannot picture what a pilgrim is, you know. See, I grew up in a country where I have seen pilgrims, you know. Pilgrims go, maybe the Christian go to some church as a pilgrim, and they make a vow that I will go to this certain church. If it is for the Hindus, they go to the temple, and for the Muslim, they go to Mecca. You might have seen on the news how many thousands were killed in a place called Mecca in Saudi Arabia. So pilgrims, pilgrims are just sojourners, you know. They go. And pilgrims look very different. 
You know the way they walk, you can see they are pilgrims. You know, they, you know, their simple dress, you know, their girded loins, okay, and even the way they eat, they don't look for the expensive restaurant to sit down and have a good meal. You know, maybe they have some dry bread or maybe not, or maybe somebody will give them. They didn't depend. They didn't have very much appetite. They, you know, they make a vow that I will, you know, abstain from things. <clears throat> they don't even carry money bag with them. You know, they look, they hold everything so loose. Their look is far away beyond the stars. That's the pilgrim. They look to the eternal realities. The trials and the political problem or a riot or anything, that it doesn't matter to them. This is not my country. I am just passing through. Who cares if the crime is on the increase? Who cares if the politicians are corrupt? It doesn't matter to him because it does, he doesn't belong there. He's a pilgrim. We learn about Abraham, you know. So Abraham was a Pilgrim, you know, pilgrim's desire is to pass through this land as fast as I can. Now, have an appointed route to home and fulfill the duties and meet the claims and discharge the duties faithfully and say, as a Christian, Learn to say, we have no continuing city here. That's a good old King James translation. We have no permanent dwelling here. This is not our home. And seek one which is to come. Abstain from fleshly lust. Abraham was moving literally southward. No permanent heart. And then we come to the last part of what I am to say today, tonight is on the seventh verse of chapter 12. You know, Abraham's life, there were three things to remember. Even if you forget it, just wake up, shake yourself up, and give a big yawn and listen to this. You know, in Abraham's life, there were three things that we got to remember. One was he lived in tents and he made altar wherever he went and then God gave him promise. Tent, altar, and promise. That's what for you and me too. First of all, after he left Haran, you know, he was 75 years old and he lived to be 175. So he lived a century. And remember, even today it was mentioned that he had 380 men, his own private army. Very rich man. But you know what? He didn't have a house. He lived in tent all his life. Pitch it, strike it, half an hour. That doesn't mean he's not telling us to live in tent, okay? Thank God we have good houses, okay? But in our thinking, 
in our in our lifestyle we got to remember everything that we have that beautiful house we have is only a tent okay his dwelling was in a frail flimsy tent that's a symbol of spiritual life can be struck in half now Hebrew 11, 9, and 10, we read that, you know. That's where he lived in tents. That's where his, his, his life, the strength came from. He looked beyond the material things. And he painted with colors the city which he used to call. You know, he could live in a tent because he knew that there is a beautiful house prepared for him. See, we cannot live in a tent because we don't see the beauty of that house that our Jesus has made for us with the plan of the Father. You know, when we know that we have something better, whatever is before us doesn't matter for us. For instance, uh, you know, my wife and I were at go for a, you know, a, a wedding banquet last night. And then we were kind of hungry and, you know, uh, some of these Indian things usually nine o'clock become 10 o'clock and so on. So we're kind of hungry. and saw this nice uh, Tim Martin. I thought, okay. Then said, no, we cannot eat anything because there is a good meal waiting there. Okay? So it's okay. And that's how it is. When we know that we have a beautiful house built by the Holy Spirit in his wisdom, by the will of the Father, through the strength of the Son, Jesus Christ, what we see here, the palace here, mean nothing. That's where our hope is, you know. Now see, we the Christians have a big, you know, there are so many problems. One problem we have is the people who work with us, our neighbors, don't see that hope in us. You know what I mean? If we have that hope, the people who watch us, you know, I often pray in our family prayer, you know, the neighbors who watch us have to see the gospel in us. When we say we have the hope, they have to see that hope in us. And if they see that we get worried over the little things, what we call the big things, you know, it doesn't, they, they don't understand what we are. That hope should be seen, you know, that hope that we talk about, we have to devote it. 
you know there is little difference between the children of the kingdom and the children of this generation because we worry just the same way as they do okay now it's the tent now i can talk a lot but i know you're getting tired okay and what is the next one then the altar altar wherever abraham pitched a tent he built an altar you know the beauty of it we don't know where abraham pitched the tent it's all gone but we do know where abraham built the altar and that's the same for your children and your grandchildren they wouldn't know how rich you were because they'll squander it as soon as you're gone but they will know the spiritual value you passed on to them they will know what you stood for that can never be taken the altar is a permanent mark left after you are gone it shows where the man of god had been an altar means sacrifice we learning in in sunday school about different kind of sacrifice okay there is a sin offering that sin offering is to recon be reconciled with god and then there is a burnt offering that burnt offering the whole animal has to be burned a cooked completely consumed and then there is a fellowship offering in a fellowship offering the whole meat is rightly done and then what they do is the priests the levites and the people sit together and eat enjoy a good meal together there are different kind of offering then there is a thanksgiving offering you know the abraham offered abraham's a sacrifice that's why he built the altar and the altar and the tent ever go together they're not separated it's not detached from tent life the tent life it is the tent life the pain in the tent life the the suffering in the tent life that makes us to make an altar understand if you live in a palace with all the convenience you don't need an altar you know years ago people the christians were prayed uh, you know they didn't say grace before the meal they prayed before the meal because you know they they thanked the lord and sometimes they most of the time the people had to pray for their daily food only sister alice can pray for daily food whenever she prays she prays lord give us our daily food the daily food you know when we have that need we have to make an altar we are spoiled we have too much we don't find the need for an altar live in the tent doesn't matter thank god for everything thank god for the hot water tap thank for the microwave thank for the, all the things doesn't 
God has given us. But then we can actually use them. We can make more time to thank the Lord. Actually, all these conveniences were made so that we will have more time for leisure and the Christians will have more time for prayer. But what has happened now? But we can, in our mind. We can still live in tent. In our mind, we can still know that we are here to suffer. You know, no matter what, a suffering comes in the way of the child of God. You will never be out of it. The more suffering comes in your way, the more love you feel from your father. The more you appreciate the nearness of your father. I know I said this example once before, you know, the suffering that comes to my mind again. See, I lived in a house where we were seven of us. Okay. Seven children. Okay. Not much different in ages. Growing up together. Don't get much attention from mom. Okay? You know when you get the attention? When you are sick. Sometimes you have to fake sick to get the attention from your mother. Oh, it hurts. Oh, my son, it hurts. What can I do? Can I make your favorite food? Oh, that's when you get the attention. That's how our Heavenly Father is. When you suffer, He comes closer to you. You remember that picture of that footpath? You know? When the sand becomes deeper, when the way becomes harder, He comes and carries you on His shoulder. That's why Christian life is Beautiful. Oh, I can tell from my experience. I don't, you know, San Asike, it's not right for me to speak about myself. Okay. I'm here not for that. Just since I said that, but some people commended me today, oh, your sandals look nice. You know, how come this man has a suit, nice suit and all, but look at his shoes. Some of you might have seen, I'm not wearing a pair of shoes, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing it for four, four weeks or so. Some of you know this, some did it. Some came today and you know, made comment. I knew what they meant. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay. That's because my, my toes hurt. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Okay. Well, Edward here knows what pain is. Okay. Some of you know here what pain is. You never get used to pain. I know. I've been suffering the last 20 years. I never get used to it. But you know what? One thing you can be sure, you can feel the nearness of God. Much more than when you are healthy. Much more. That's when you feel. Okay? So, a tent is so important. And make an altar, self-sacrifice, deny yourself. Oh, my time is going. Okay, an altar, you know, a detached tent life. Pain and suffering must spring from the tent life, okay? 
Now, the last one is the promise. The promise is unto to you and to your seed. Obey. Live up to the claim of God and separate pilgrim life. A separate pilgrim life acquires promise. Promise is given. But to receive that promise, live intent and make an altar. And then that promise is given to you and your seed. And in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, know that I love you and the Lord loves you the most.